be glad in it on this first Sunday in the month of September, the year 22 in our Lord. We look to celebrate the breaking of bread and drinking together the communion after we complete the moment of worship through preaching. And so we encourage you to get your elements and prepare to, to break bread as we will celebrate on this first Sunday. And we get prepared to welcome and, and worship our awesome God and spirit. And in truth, we thank you for those who are able to join us here in person, those who join us right where you are. And we want to welcome you and encourage you to join us in a time of worship, a little something like this. Oh, uh-huh. 
worship our God. We prepare to worship for the reading of this word. If you join me in the gospel uh, in the New Testament according to Matthew uh, 16th chapter uh, looking at verses 13 to 20. Again we're in the New Testament uh, gospel according to Matthew the 16th chapter uh, beginning at verse 13 uh, to verse 20. I'll be reading from the New Living uh, Translation. The word of God uh, reads this way. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or the one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. For whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Let us pray. Father, we ask for enlightenment through the preaching and the teaching of your holy word. May this word meditate in our hearts and may it be planted in our hearts that we might not sin against you, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God for his word. You may be seated. Let's continue on to worship him through music. Thank you. 
You don't have that effect. You don't see that same power. When you can have thousands of people gather together at a stadium. Uh, college weekend happened on this weekend, but then nobody get up and say, I feel better. <laughs> so much better since I laid my burdens down. 
Yeah, some people are leaving there happy. Some people are leaving there sad. But every time you come into the house of God, I guarantee you, you're going to feel up and leave it all right. Because it was good to be in the house of the Lord. I, 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 if you're as excited as I am, go ahead and just tell your name. So I'm glad to see you. Amen. The, the church that Jesus built is not confined by brick and mortar. The church that Jesus formed is not a virtual reality. Uh, you can't experience church in the metaverse and social media and all these other things that are making you put on a phone or something else on your face trying to get a tense sense of reality. The church that Jesus made is the original social connection. The Spirit of God unites us widely, internationally, and nationally. The many devoted followers of Jesus Christ, like never before. Matter of fact, his network is always online and never disconnected. The church that Jesus built for his believers are expressed in intimate communication and fellowship and community. Because we are the church. The church is not a fan club. It's not a soul, a fair weather fans. It's not as long as things go my way. But no, the church is a body of devoted, sacrificial followers of Jesus Christ. The church has form and structure, not of brick and mortar, but of people with different responsibilities and services to help build a better community. Tell your neighbor, there's power in the church. There's power in Christ. Father, we ask you right now to help us experience this power. As we understand the power of unity and fellowship and community within the church. Uh, Lord, as we prepare to hear a word from you, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Guide us further into your presence. That we will have your word hidden in our heart. That we might not sin against you. May the words of our mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable, Lord, in thy sight. Uh, for you are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 In, in our text, we're going to talk about power in the church because there's power in Christ. Uh, Jesus teaches his disciples uh, the very purpose of his church and the disciples' responsibility. I would encourage you that when you know Jesus, then you know being a member of a church is a command and not a suggestion. We have allowed many people to fall away from the church because we have not expressed to them the importance of church. But Peter knows that Jesus is the son of Christ. But Jesus points out to Peter, but this knowledge means you got work to do. Tell your neighbor, you got work to do. And so do you know Jesus? When we look at our text, uh, we want to notice here that in the 13th verse of the 16th chapter, we have a temporal understanding. It says now, then, or some say or when, letting you know that there's a something in happening in response of what proceeded in the time space of dealing with this narrative. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, but why when he came to this moment? Well, this is after he had fed 4,000 people. 
with seven loaves and two and a few fish. This is after he done healed so many people that they laid them at his feet, that the blind were able to have sight, the lame were be able to walk. Those who had diseases were cured just by being placed at Jesus' feet. They have witnessed great things happening before them. Jesus is asking them, what do they say or who do they say I am? We understand that they have been privy to have front row seat of God doing amazing things. But even in God doing amazing things, Jesus takes the time to help them to understand, do you know what you're experiencing? I would encourage us that sometimes we experience different things in our life and these adverse and sometimes joyous experiences that we have to come together. We can share our bad and our good with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And in that time, we can help to understand, do you know what you are experiencing? Do you know what you're going through? Think about how in times of trouble, in times of pain, they call the church. People come to church, never come to church every time, but when they burn their loved one, church is a field. Y'all don't hear me? Church could be empty on Sunday through Friday, but let there be a funeral on Saturday. They're going to be dressed up and show up for that funeral. But as soon as the preacher gets up, they start walking out the door. They didn't come to hear the word, but yet they needed church. They needed some encouragement. They needed some healing. Here's a problem here is that they don't understand that they've already been ministered to before the preacher got up. People have read scripture. People have prayed. People have sang songs to encourage them and let them know that you got to find hope in Jesus. That's why they're in the church because they like, I don't want to believe that there's something else. I want to hope that there's something greater. But I'm going to live a life of foolishness thinking that in the end everything is going to be right. But here, I'm going to encourage you that Jesus called us right now and that we, as a body of Christ, as a church, we got work to do. That we got to go out and tell somebody that there is life and life more abundantly in Jesus. So when Jesus comes to the reason of Caesarea Philippi, he asks his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Well, they reply, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah. Or one of the other prophets. I want to encourage you that there's people out there that need to hear who Jesus is. But they hear some other things. They, some say what they said here in this time. Now this, this time they point out some of the highlights, right? The, the top prophets that they know. Some say John the Baptist. Uh, John has been beheaded now. He's been buried and dead now. But, but say some say you're him. That he's still alive. Or maybe Elijah, he did. He, he got caught up in a fiery chair. But maybe you're Elijah, that you are coming back as Elijah. Or maybe Jeremiah, who is like, who had you said he kept on preaching because like fire shut up in his bones. Or maybe some other prophets. I want to encourage us that God wants us to know who he is. You do not need to rely on second and third hand reports when you can know Jesus for yourself. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him for yourself? The body of Christ, the church, is a place that we come to know Jesus and we grow in wisdom and knowledge and an understanding. We come to live in fellowship and community and to support one another. Jesus asked him, who do other people think he is to see how the disciples are 
involved in the community and hearing what other people are saying. And here it is that they suggest that you are a powerful man from the past. And, or maybe you're like these other ones that have gone on over for. But yet, Jesus pointed out to them that you're hearing what they're saying, but yet you're seeing it for yourself. So you're hearing what they're saying. You're hearing what they think that or who they think that I am. But who do you think that I am? You see that verse 15 to 16? Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Uh, this is when... You find Simon Peter wants to be the first of the class. I can see him saying, hold on, brothers, I got this one. Let me speak first. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter's confession shows that you are the Messiah. For us, the Messiah is also what we might say Christ or the anointed one, the chosen one. To us, it may not have the same levity and the same weight and the same meaning it did to Peter because Peter was waiting, as well as the other Jews, for the lineage, the anointed one, the one to come down that was fulfilling of the prophecy that God will send a redeemer, a one that will liberate the people from captivity and give them freedom. And here it is that Jesus is the answer to this prophecy. Peter does not go with what the others say, but he tells them what he knows. But yet what he finds out here is that Peter does not know this on his own but by the help of God, that he's able to confess Jesus as the Messiah. See, when you know Jesus as the son of the living God, not only as the Messiah, the anointed one chosen by God, but also as fully man and fully God, two, two uh, natures in one, divine and immortal, yet Jesus came and Gold himself in flesh to die on the cross for our sins, defeated death, and rose again on the third day. Here it is, while he's still living, beholding him, Peter sees him and, and is experiencing Jesus doing amazing, awesome things. And is coming to understand who he is, but yet does not have a fully total understanding. This is early in the midst. This is the first time Jesus mentions the church that we're going to get into that little bit. This is also the first time we see Peter acknowledging him to be the Messiah. But Jesus has been telling all the time, I am the son of man. <laughs> I am the child of the father. I'm about my father's business. The scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And so we see here that God never stops teaching us in communion. So why do the church need to continue to come together? Because we can grow together, learn together. We try to learn by ourselves, but yet we understand I need to call somebody. I need help. We are social beings. We are socially connected. We, we thrive. We survive the more we are together. We experienced this in the heights of our pandemic uh, when things were in isolation, how some people will pass away just because of lack of touch, lack of communication. That's why nurses, all of a sudden, all hospitals started having robots with iPads to go into rooms by themselves, or nurses all fooled and covered up, holding iPads and other tablets so they can talk to a family member, have some kind of social connection. How is it that we're living our lives now and we understand we want social connection? We're desperate to be connected, but we don't talk to our God. We don't talk to our Creator. We forsake the assembling together. We don't come together. We don't come when the doors of church are open. We're far from, but let the movie theater be open. Let the plays be open. Let the mall be open. We'll be there in numbers. Go to a concert in numbers. But when it's time to give God some time of our, of our day, all of a sudden it's not safe. Selectively, we choose where we want to be, but always call on God when we need him. 
But God is always calling for you to respond to him. Jesus is showing us here that God wants you to know him. That's why he reveals himself to you. Look what he said. Jesus replies from verse 17. You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Peter did not come to this understanding on his own, but by the help of God. Anybody here glad that God can help us to understand who he is? Uh, We sing the song when I was growing up all the time, we'll understand it better by and by. That understanding means that I, I may not know why I am experiencing or going through the situation in my life right now. But as time goes on, I'll understand it better. Sometimes in our lives, we don't fully understand what we're going through, but we know that we're going through. But if we know that God can pull us through, we might be able to look back and see, I see, God, what you were doing. We have learned to say hindsight is 2020. And, and we think about how God knows how to prepare us to go through what we don't even know what we're about to face. That he is able to equip us and help us to understand that I'm going to work it out. That's why we like to say he is an on-time God. And the thing that we say, he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. What it means to us is that our plans, our desires are not his. So let us line up, Lord, let thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. See, when we are the part of the church, part of the body of Christ, we now let go our own preferences. We let go our own ideas and say, God, what does the body need? And let us minister to the body. Jesus is the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. He's the son, the only begotten son of the living God. Jesus' kingdom is not an earthly kingdom, but in heavenly kingdom. And he has invited us, followers of Christ, to partake in this heavenly kingdom. There is a blessing for his believers in this kingdom. The blessing comes from knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior and knowing him as the Son of God. Jesus tells him, you are blessed because God has sold this to you. Tell your neighbor, you are blessed because you know Jesus. God has revealed Jesus to us. Think about how we've come to know him. We've come to know him because God has given us his word. (laughs) He has revealed Jesus to us. We concluded our time in Sunday school going through the book of Revelation. Revelation basically means to reveal or to bring back the curtains and to let you see what God is doing. We with those who watched the movie, The Wizard of Oz, right, it was all exposed once they removed the curtain. They realized that he's not all that he says that he is. He's just like us. But yet when God reveals the curtain, we all find out that he's greater than we thought he was. He's above and beyond what we can think or even imagine. When God reveals who he is, we find out how big he is, how small we are. When God reveals how great he is, we understand that, Lord, I'm a wretch under in need of your grace and your mercy. Am I talking to somebody here that thanks God that he's a big God? He's an amazing God. He has a great God that deserves all the praise. Jesus shows that God the Father revealed this to Peter. 
Jesus also shows us that God reveals us Jesus in his word. For beginning with, in, the, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And Jesus reveals us the Father. Because Jesus says, if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. For I and the Father are one. So the more we know Jesus, the more we are in community, the more we know that we are to be like him. We gather together to study, to grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the word of God. We come to know to, and, and learn and help fulfill the great purpose of God. The Bible teaches us how to live with ethics and moral principles that God has established for his kingdom. Jesus being our king means we want to live by the king's roots. We want to obey what he calls us to do. That means that it helps me to realize that I got to be there for my brother and my sister. That's why when you think about that good old joke about C-H, blankety blank, C-H, what's missing? You are. <laughs> and so when you're missing in church, church is missing you. And you got to be in because church needs you. I wish I had a few more witnesses here. That we understand that the body of Christ is us. Stop thinking about somebody else is going to be where you need to be. You need to be in your position. You need to be in your space because somebody needs you. There might be someone that needs you to cry on, to talk to. There might be someone that needs your expertise and know your wisdom, know your love because you are where you are and who you are because God has placed you there for a great reason. But sometimes we miss out because we're not being what God wants us to be. But when you are being obedient, say, I got to be in this presence. I got to be where he is. I want to be where you are, God. And God will bless us to be in a blessed community. And, and here's a beautiful thing about being in a blessed community with God. And I said, this is a beautiful thing. Everybody's not like everybody. <laughs> You're going to be with some different people. Some people that don't look like you, don't talk like you, don't dress like you. But we're in community. The problem is that we want to make community to be something that is uniformed, but we are not uniformed, but we are a unit. We are different pieces that come together to make one. And as we are one body of Christ, then we might learn how to pray like somebody else because they pray differently than how I pray. We might learn how to sing differently because they sing differently than how I sing. We don't tell somebody if they're wrong and they're better because we like the way we do. We all have our preferences. But may we all make sure that Christ is the center. May we all so that as long as he's lifted up, as long as he's magnified, as long as he is worthy and he is sitting on the throne, that I know everything's going to be all right. So let us come together and be united in community. And how do I know this? Because Jesus says he will build his church. It's not up to you to build it. Tell your neighbor, it's not up to you. Jesus is going to build his church. Once Peter gives God this amazing answer, Jesus lets him know now, 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 now this is uh, something to look at here in this text. Uh, first, uh, when Peter confesses who Jesus is, notice that he says that uh, Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. When Jesus tells him that blessed are you, Simon, uh, son of John. Because my Father in heaven has, received, has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human. Now I say to you that you are. So Peter, Peter tells Jesus who you are. Jesus now tells him who you are. Peter, you are. And, and, and we see in New Living Translation, we see uh, uh, some have Cephas or rock. You are rock. And upon this rock, 
I will build my church. And all the powers of hell or the gates of hell will not prevail or will not conquer it. And so I want to highlight here now he's having the same kind of confessing theology to, to Peter that he is that you are and you are. You are Peter, rock, and upon this rock I will build this church. Now some suggest that this was not just kind of a metaphor but literal, that Peter is the rock, that he's the foundation of the church. And some suggest that's why the, the papacy, Peter being the first pope, that they build the church upon his grave because they build their church upon him. But yet, if we understand that Peter is not the rock, but he is a rock. He's a part of the church, but Jesus is the rock. The Bible makes it clear in more times and more texts than this, just this one, that he is the cornerstone. That upon the church that he is fit together. Matter of fact, Peter writes about it that we are part of this living stone. So when I highlight here, that way you see this one time here mentioned here, it's only mentioned that one time. But how many times can you find that Jesus is the cornerstone? And so he is the rock. He is the foundation of the church. We are standing on his principle. But he has given Peter some encouragement to say there's some structure to this. That Peter, we're going to need you to be a leader for your people. That's why he prayed for them and says, hey, so Satan wants you to fall. He wants to shift you like we, but I prayed for you, Peter. So that after you fall, you're going to mess up. You know, you said three times, you won't, but hey, hey, I know you will. But since I know you will, I prayed for you. So that when you repent, hallelujah, thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy, that you won't get us right. That when you repent, restore your brother. And, and matter of fact, Peter forgot about that because he went fishing. Jesus had to come out and say, do you love me? Go feed my sheep. And so we see here that he's encouraged Peter that I've got work for you to do because you want to lead my church. Peter give us this great revelation <laughs> because what God has put in him and had him to go through. And so here it is that now in this text, in this moment, in this time, that Peter is being called out by God to set structure and to set form. That he says, whatever you bind and whatever you lose. The saying is that you ought to set the principles or set the orders for the church. Matter of fact, you look at Acts. It's Peter and them writing out how you need to let everybody in the church. You, as long as they are baptized, let them in. Don't get caught up with what they eat. But Christ is for all. Matter of fact, that was Peter telling everybody, hey, this is for the body of Christ. And then he's pointing out that as I build my church, catch this, since I'm going to build this church, since I'm going to build this church, I cannot be defeated. Y'all look closely there when it says, some translate has the gates of hell. Uh, New Living Translate put it this way, how the power of hell. But another way to look at it is the power of death. Uh, Jesus is life. And since he is life, he cannot be defeated. Also, Jesus is light. And since he is light, he cannot be extinguished. And so he's pointing out that once I establish this, it will last. We, we know how buildings have fallen down. We know church buildings have caught on fire. We know church buildings have closed their doors and never opened up again. We've seen church buildings be leveled and be set apart to become a parking lot or something new. But yet the body of Christ cannot be torn down, cannot be destroyed. Matter of fact, fire cannot burn it because we are fireproof. Because we are washed by the blood of the Lamb. And we understand that the enemy is going to try as he might. But he catches, he might kill this mortal body, but he's doing me a favor. 
Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I, I was at a few more witnesses here. But we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. So this body, I don't need to hold on to. One of these days, we're going to be changed when he comes back with our power and glory. So right now, I want to encourage you that don't get caught up with physicality things. But understand, our kingdom is heavenly, it's spiritual. We are a royal priesthood. Death cannot defeat what God has set in most. So no need to fear death. But yet, once again, when death enters our life, people are found in the church. They don't come Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You know the days of the week. But come on, whatever day there's a funeral, they're going to show up. Matter of fact, they, they, they got to Google the address to find out where this church is. <laughs> Never been to that church, but I'm going to come there today because so-and-so's being buried there. So I got to come on down. But here's the beautiful thing that when we come, we don't come thinking that we're going to say our last goodbyes. We're coming to celebrate our hellos. Because <laughs> to be absent from the body is be present with the Lord. We don't mourn as those who don't know about the hope of the resurrection. So we may be saddened, but yet we are not forever grieved and mourned because we know that there's hope in Jesus. And since there is hope in Jesus, we know that death cannot win. And so the church, the called out believers of Christ, need to proclaim that Jesus is alive and that he is able to do exceedingly above beyond. Matter of fact, I want to show you here how in this time, Jesus did not want it all to be known who he is. If you join in as we look towards the end of our text, He says in verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Notice how it wasn't time yet for them to tell everybody that he is the Messiah. I encourage you that some people are not ready to hear the news that is good. That they got to wait until it's the right time. Here it is. Jesus is who they've been waiting for. But it wasn't the right time to tell everybody. Because everybody don't need to know everything at the same time. But those who need to know are on a need to know basis need to know. And those who needed to know were his 12 disciples at the time. And why did they need to know? Because they were going to establish his church. He had to say, we're going to build a foundation of faith, a foundation of trust, a foundation of obedience. You must know that I am who I say I am. So that when others come and tell you who they say that I am, well, he was John the baptizer. Well, he was Elijah. Well, he was Jeremiah. That's when y'all can correct him and say, no, I know for myself. Because I've seen him with my eyes. I behold him myself. I I, I saw him walk on water. I saw him raise the dead. I saw him make the blind to see. I saw him make the lame to walk. I've seen him speak and the winds obey his command. Matter of fact, we were hungry on the side of the hill after a long day of church and worship. And God says, I just give me what you got. You got got seven loaves and a few fish. I'm going to feed 4,000 people. Lord have mercy. Let's sing this. But now is not the time for them to go tell. Do y'all know who he is? But you know when that time came, that when Jesus was gone, 
And he was not there to speak to nobody else. But he has given it to his disciples. Says, now you go and you may be my witnesses in Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the outer parts of the world. Go look at Acts 1 and 8. Jesus is about to leave the earth now and let them know that now that I'm leaving, y'all have y'all marching orders. Go make my church. Go add on more brothers and sisters in Christ and let them know and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now was the time for them to go tell. Matter of fact, we, when Jesus died, matter of fact, it was Mary going out telling him, saying, he's alive. Don't y'all know he's alive? I've seen him for myself. We understand every time you look at Acts, it says that he revealed himself to Peter and John, the other side. Here it is, Peter. It's emphasized because Peter was the leader. And if Peter said it was good, it was good. And so when they understand that, they say, hey, well, Peter's seen him. We know him to be real. Now there's people here that don't know Peter. They don't know Simon. They don't know James and John, but they know you. And they come to you saying, is Jesus real? And they believe what you got to say. And so what you say? How, how do they know that Jesus is real? Well, can you tell them about how I was once down and out, living a life full of sin? But the master heard my despair cry, and he expressed to me his grace and his mercy. I, I was fearful of death, thinking about well, if I die today, where would I be? But now I know that death has no victory. Sin has no sting. Because Jesus Christ has defeated death for my life. Hallelujah. That he died on the cross so that I might have life. That's why the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now, when you look at that text again and understand that the enemy is doing his job. He's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. But who can stop what God is doing? Don't, don't fall for the wicked schemes of the enemy. That makes you think that when you're down and out, you had no hope. But tell somebody, I had hope because Jesus is real. I've tasted him for myself. I know that he is good. Oh, taste and seek that the Lord is good. I, I, I'm done preaching now, but I'm going to just give you one more story to help you understand that. If you know for yourself how good it is, it don't matter to somebody else. I told this story before, so I'm going to tell it again because it's a good story. A college student was in a big college classroom with a college professor talking about how God does not exist. And the student decided to raise his hand asking the professor, how do you know God does not exist? The professor just goes on and wax prophetically and talks all kinds of things like a professor does. But then the student gets up and asks the professor, is this an apple in my hand? The professor says, it looks like an apple. The student says, I can assure you that it is an apple. Can you tell me, is this apple good? The professor says, I presume the apple is good. The student goes on and proceeds and bites into this apple. And you see juice boots out of the apple. And juice is running down his face. And he looks and with a smile on the professor with his mouth full of the apple says, it sure is good. Well, he's telling that professor that you presume it's good, but I can tell you because I taste <laughs> And I've seen for myself that it is good. How do you know that Jesus is not good if you have not tasted and seen for yourself? Find out right now that is he real? How can I come in the house of the Lord and be with brothers and sisters? Find out for yourself. Keep on finding a church that you can go and be with yourself and, and just worship God all by yourself. Go find you a church. You like to dance? Go find a church you can dance in. You like to run? Go find a church where you can run. Go somewhere. And just worship God. I, I, I'm so glad 
that God called us to be a body of believers. Now, we all don't have to sing a lot. We all don't need to dance a lot. We all don't need to pray a lot, but yet we all can worship a lot. Because he is God alone. There is none like him. And so there's power in the church because there's power in Christ. In the church, we have seen people being healed. In the church, we've seen prodigals come back home. In the church, we've seen broken hearts be healed. In the church, we've seen marriages redeemed. In the church, we've seen children come to know and bring mommy and daddy into the church. There's power. But yet, if you have not tasted and seen for yourself, you won't know that it is real. But it is real. Taste it for yourself. Let us pray. God, we just thank you that you have built your church, that the gates of hell cannot prevail. God, we thank you that you are our foundation, you are our strength, you are our refuge. You are our help. Father, help us to be the body called our believers you called us to be. Lord, let us live and walk in example. Let us walk with humility. Let us walk with love and encouragement. Let us express your grace and your mercy. Father, allow us to confess one to another, encourage one another, so that we can all grow be the men and the women of God you called us to be. Lord, remove uh, chastise, remove condemnation, for there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, Lord may we be a place of, that we can welcome everyone, because Lord, we all are in need of your grace and your mercy. So thank you, God, for never giving up on us, and thank you, God, for revealing yourself to us. Through your son, who died on the cross for our sins, who defeated death by rising from the grave on the third day, and is now exalted, seated in the right hand of you in majesty and glory. And Lord, we're waiting for you to come back again. And as we're waiting for you to come back again, may we be your faithful servants, working in the vineyard, working in the fields, working and being fishers of women and men, that you be glorified, you be magnified. And may we see more come in wisdom and knowledge and understanding of who you are as we as you add on to your church for your glory and for your honor. Jesus Christ, and Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 As we continue to worship our God, we're ready to break bread together and drink of this cup together as it is first Sunday. And so if you have your elements, you need to go ahead and take some time to receive those. On the night of Jesus' betrayal, he sat down with his disciples and he took of the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it and said, this is my body. Then likewise, he took of the cup and he blessed it and said, this represents my blood to pour it out for the remissions of sins. Let us pray. Mighty God, we ask you to bless this bread and bless this cup that we will be in fellowship in your presence as that we eat of this bread and drink of this cup together. Lord, search our hearts, search our mind, that we eat and drink in community and in fellowship and in unity, 
And Father, Lord, that we continue to do this faithfully until you come back again. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do so in remembrance of you. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Those are ready, we take of the bread. This represents Jesus' body, which was broken for us. Let us eat together. Likewise, I took of the cup. Said this represents my blood. You poured out for the remissions of sins. Drink ye all of it. Let us drink together. The Bible records that they're exiting in hymns and celebrating. We also look forward to celebrating exiting in hymns. And also, we plan to get God his tithes and his offerings. So you're welcome to join us, whether it be online. You can give through our app or give online also to those who are here to bring present your offering. Let us pray. Father, we ask you to bless as we have these gifts we give back to you. We thank you, Lord, that we only bless you which as you have blessed us and increased us. And the Father, we ask you to bless those, Lord, who have desired to give yet have not. We thank you, Lord, that you provide all perfect things, all perfect gifts come from you. So, Father, bless those, Lord, that have desired. Bless those who are giving. Bless us, Lord, with your provision, with your peace and your comfort. And may what be given be given back to the community for the building, the proclaiming, and teaching of your church. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Bless you.